Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, it's really snowy out there right now. I doubt that you'll want to be participating in any sort of outdoor consuming of wine, but, but this is your opportunity right now to go to bfwdenver.com and pick yourself up like uh, 2017 Cabernet, which is my personal favorite. But they got a whole array of different wines due to their, you know, relationship with a, a, a vineyard out there in Sonoma County, California, where they make these grapes, ship them out here to Colorado. Uh, of course, they're California grapes, so obviously Pinot, it's good, you know, varietal that they specialize out there in California. So that is obviously features prominently uh, amongst their selection, but they got more, and uh, they got partnerships with uh, Western Slope Wineries called Restoration Storm Cellars, and an, uh, a vineyard there in the Elk Mountains, which is near Aspen. Uh, but look, everything they do is great. Uh, I enjoy, I have enjoyed, basically enjoyed everything I've had at Blanchard Family Wines, and I look forward to actually going back when it's safe to do so. If you go to bfwdenver.com, you can pick yourself up a. Um, a virtual wine tasting. Uh, they're around a hundred bucks, and they send they ship you the stuff. Obviously, you have to do it ahead of time. So it's like if you book one, it's probably maybe a couple weeks ahead of time to a month. They ship you the stuff, so you can kind of participate in this virtual wine tasting thing, like on a Zoom, which is very, very, very popular right now. So if you're going to do that, get in there now. Um, but you can also go and order your wine, which they ship, they deliver, and they uh, can do curbside, which if you want to go down and pick it up. Everything you need to have a great time with some quality, quality, quality wine. Once again, they're at bfwdenver.com, and you can find them between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of a dairy block. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, I, 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 was, I had this thing all recorded yesterday, and I listened back to it, and it's another one of those things where I... I maybe am too hard on the quality of my, which you wouldn't believe if you actually listen to this podcast consistently. You think these quality standards, Jeff doesn't have that. I get it. Um, if you want to make snarky comments at me, uh, go to at jmorton78 on Twitter, lob them at me there. Um, but I, I, I kind of didn't frame my argument very well in that. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make another run at it. Um, the gist of what I recorded yesterday was that. Michael Porter Jr. is, um, there has been a lot of talk about incorporating Michael Porter Jr. into the audience, uh, into the audience, into the uh, offense of the Nuggets. So, uh, if you listen to, well, you know, I'm just not calling him out here, but, you know, it, it, even up to, uh, if you read T.J. McBride or you uh, listen to Locked On Nuggets with uh, Matt Moore and uh, Anna Mares, uh, maybe even going to whatever DMVR is doing on their side, uh, there's been a lot of talk about how Michael Porter Jr. is separate and apart from the Nuggets' actual offense. And it kind of got me to thinking. So I went back and I watched the uh, game that Michael Porter Jr. had 
30 points and 8 rebounds against the uh, uh, Dallas Mavericks. Last game they played. They played tonight. They play the Miami Heat. Uh, but I was I was just really looking at it and thinking, all right, aside from the obvious issues of, of bench versus um, uh, starting and all that stuff, which is going to be a problem in the future, but it is working right now. So let me just state that right now. Bringing him off the bench right now is okay for right now, okay? Uh, it cannot be a long-term thing for this Denver Nuggets team, but it works right now. Um, having him in this position is is working for them at the moment and appreciate it for now. Uh, if this continues into next year, the Nuggets are going to have a problem, I think. Um, because Michael Porter Jr. is a is definitively a starter in this league. I think he has proven that. And I think that part is going to sort itself out in the coming year, right? Right now, it's fine. Don't bitch about it. He's doing well off the bench. He's getting closing minutes. As George Carl used to say, and don't let Michael Malone take credit for this. This was a George Carlism going back 10, 15 years. Um... It doesn't matter who starts, it's who finishes. That's That was his mantra. Um, of course, when it comes to getting paid, it does matter who starts. <laughs> so just, just keep that in mind when you hear coaches say that. Um, but I digress. Uh, incorporating Michael Porter Jr. into a quote-unquote offense is, uh, I think, it's become a mantra, and I think it's kind of... You know, with due respect to the people at DNVR and Locked On and TJ McBride, um, I think it kind of doesn't matter. And let me explain why. It doesn't hurt the Nuggets objectively to have Michael Porter Jr. in doing whatever he does. Um, in fact, it's only beneficial because he is the only guy who can do what he does. If there were multiple guys who could do what Michael Porter Jr. does on this roster, that would be a problem. Um, you would you would slip into redundancy. The offense would bog down. You would have too many guys doing the same thing. Um, the only person who does what Michael Porter Jr. does is Michael Porter Jr. Uh, in that way, it stands out. But in the other way, it really helps the Nuggets because he gives them something that no one else on this roster can do, a lot like Nikola Jokic. There's only one Nikola Jokic on this roster. He only does what he does. Well, it's the same thing with Michael Porter Jr. Um, there are multiple ways you can approach this, but I, 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 I strongly, strongly believe that uh, because Michael Porter Jr., or yeah, Mike, has uh, um, stood out is because we're not used to seeing it. And it's been a while since we've had a guy on this roster who can create his own offense. Jamal Murray can do it, but but one of the reasons it's interesting with Jamal is because you can tell Jamal's working really hard to do what he does. Um, there is there is demonstrable effort that you see on your TV screen or in person with Jamal, um, and the, the the work part of that is 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 unique to Jamal. Is very unique to Jamal. That effort in my opinion, is also the reason why you see him having extremely inconsistent regular seasons. 
because he just, you could see every fiber of his being going into what he does. Um, and that is admirable as far as, as someone who appreciates worth that work ethic in a basketball player. That's 100 percent uh, uh, unique to Jamal. That's once you know he, no one's going to outwork Jamal on this nuggets roster, not a single person. Jamal occupies that space. Where our eye is getting fooled is because Michael Porter Jr. is completely effortless and can do whatever he wants uh, on the offensive end in a completely fluid and effortless way. And it exists in its own universe. And our eye is used to Nikola Jokic orchestrating everything, waiting for cutters, throw out to the corner, that sort of thing. Jokic, and, and then that's the reason why Jokic and Porter work so well together. But not necessarily Jokic, Porter, and Jamal. And that is why we saw what, what I think it was a, 18-point explosion in the second half, most of it in the fourth quarter from Michael Porter Jr., uh, from Mike, because he didn't have Jamal out there. And uh, that is not a value judgment on Jamal Murray. It is a, uh, when Jamal's out there, it's going to be Jokic and Jamal. Uh, When Porter's out there, it's going to be and, and Jokic is going to be Porter and Jokic, or some variant therein. Um, Porter is one of the guys who can work with, basically because of what he does, he can work with everything on the roster, which is why you're going to see more and more uh, talk about keeping Porter on the bench, which I said, this year is going to be fine. Next year, it's not going to be so good. But for this year, it's going to be fine. So it works as it works right now, largely because Porter's able to occupy a space where he's not playing with specifically Jamal. Um, The Nuggets have a variety of ways they can work this. At the end of the second Phoenix game uh, this last weekend, Saturday, uh, Jamal, Porter, and Jokic were all on the court at the same time. Now, the difference therein was that Porter didn't, I don't, I think Porter took maybe one shot down the stretch, maybe two. I think it was only one. And the rest was Jamal and Jokic in the two overtime games. But Porter was out there. And he played okay defense. And uh, it wasn't tremendous, but it was okay. But he was out there. Um, fast forward to a uh, interesting game against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, what you saw in that game was Jamal having a good first half, but Michael Porter Jr. also had 12 points, but it was largely exclusive from Jamal. Um... And it's it's kind of like two positive forces coming together. It's it's they're having they're struggling having these these two things exist at the same time. When Jamal got thrown out for whacking whacking uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. in the nuts, um, which by the way, Jamal, come on, man, hold your temper. Um, but that was. Uh, the springboard to just basically go all in on Mike. And the yeah, Mike thing was just huge. 
it was huge. Um, it was the most yeah mic we have seen since January of, of 2020. Uh, or maybe first couple games in the bubble when it was just Joker and uh, uh, Jamal. Excuse me, Joker and... Uh, I, I don't like calling him Joker. Jokic and uh, Porter at the beginning of the bubble this last, last year. Now... This was a long-winded way for me to say this is okay. Now, people have some made some analogies, which I think are, are, are not correct. The only analogy you can have for this concurrent setup and why it's struggling is because this is actually more analogous to the Oklahoma City Thunder circa 2010 um, when they were rising, on the rise. You had three people who have their own offensive orbit. Um, the difference is Jokic can work with anyone. Um, what was interesting in those Oklahoma City Thunder teams, particularly the uh, lockout shortened 2012 season, was Harden, uh, obviously this was Harden's coming off the bench like Porter, Harden would come in and kind of facilitate the offense uh, when he was in, and he would close the game, blah, blah, blah. Um, Harden, when it came to getting his next deal, which was at the end of his, he was at the end of his rookie deal in 2012, didn't want to take a big discount because they had designated him a bench player. Which is the problem the Nuggets are going to have if they continue to put Porter on the bench. You, everyone can see it. I mean, this isn't a one-off thing, folks. But Michael Porter Jr. has done this multiple times. Have these 30-point outbursts where you're like, whoa. And he hasn't had, fingers crossed and knock on wood, any back issues since. He has been, and he's taken some tumbles, uh, he has been, for all intents and purposes, a guy who can, one of the few guys that can put up a 30-30 spot in a flash on this rugged Nuggets roster. He's the only one. He can do it effortlessly. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but you can see the Oklahoma City situation arising again because of this dynamic. What the Nuggets need to do is maximize this 100%. Um, coming back to 2012, what happened was Oklahoma City lowballed Harden and refused to amnesty Kendrick Perkins, and everything got messed up. They ended up having to trade him to Houston, and then obviously Harden in Houston is was what it was, right? From 2012 to 2021, he was the dynamic offensive person he was, right? But the reason it happened that way is because they, even though he was one of the most talented and dynamic players on that roster, they designated him a bench player and offered him as such. And that hurt. Because as I said before, you know, it may help with team dynamics, but sure as hell teams use that against you. When it comes to getting your next contract. 
players know this, which is why Will Barton said, I'm a starter. But, as I said, for this year, because Porter's got another another year coming up here on his rookie deal, um, you you can, or maybe even a year, it's, it's this year and then an option, I think. It's next year and then an option. So you can, you can work this right now, but it's not going to be a sustainable situation. Now, as far as the offense goes, it doesn't really matter, like with the Oklahoma City thing back in, you know, the early 2010s. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You can make it work. And I think people have been fretting far too much about working it within the Jokic dynamic. It doesn't matter because it works. Right? There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that I have seen that actually interferes with their ability to do offense when Michael Porter Jr. is out there. He doesn't bog it down. He can score pretty much fine on his own. Um, you've got the Jokic offense, you've got the Jokic-Murray offense, and you've got the Porter offense. And it's fine. The only thing Porter needs to do to be a viable player still, not viable, but I mean, a, is, is increase his defensive awareness. Okay? His biggest thing is not lack of effort. It's just he's not aware. He needs to become more aware. And that just comes with repetition. I'm, I, Kevin Durant has never been a good defensive player. He has had flashes where he can block shots and he can do, do that sort of thing, but he's not a defensive player. And he's one of the best players we've seen in NBA history. Uh, you don't need a player to be Kawhi Leonard and, and, and a two-way player, but you need them to be aware and you need them to basically be competent. And Porter can only get that situ- scenario if he is getting the opportunity to play. And the more he plays, the more aware he will be. And the more you, the more you incorporating him, incorporate him into this, and don't pull him for mistakes, he'll be able to get out there. That is his big thing. Forget about the offense. No one needs to worry about the Nuggets' offense. The offense is fine. Nothing bogs down. Porter's out there. He's a guy that can get his own shot. Don't even worry about it, right? But what they need to do is just make sure Mike is aware of what's going on. And the only way to increase his awareness on defense is for him to be out there. And the more he's out there, the more it's going to be good. As for this year specifically, it's going to be fine for him coming off the bench for this year. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to increase his defensive awareness enough to where that even boosts his own value and increases the Nuggets' ceiling. And that's really where they need to concentrate. For the offense, it doesn't matter. It just does not matter, and people are focusing on that far too much because it's objectively good. Okay, and I hate using that because I'm not a you know Gen Z. It is objectively good that he does what he does. There's no downside to Michael Porter Jr. hitting shots. People need to get that out of their brains. On the defensive end, that's where he needs to improve. And he can only do that the more he plays. And the more he plays, the better it is for the Nuggets. 
All right. Well, thank you all for joining me in the latest Morkcast. I'll be back soon with another Hot Take episode. Goodbye.